Unique New York. Unique New York. Lanolin. Oh, excuse me. I've got Kyle in my ear telling me that the pod is starting. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Top 10 Asterisk with Kyle and Mike. This week, as all weeks, we will be debating a top 10 of one host's choosing, unbeknownst to the other host, at which point we will engage in a vigorous debate and come to a definitive top 10 list. So Kyle, what's this week's list? Okay, Mike, this one is a little indulgent. I hope people will bear with us. It's also a little past relevant, I think. So, um... You and I both very much love movies, and we very much love the Oscars, even though they are very silly in a lot of ways, um, and they're kind of arbitrary in a lot of ways, and they're just kind of a flawed thing, but I, we love them all the same. It is We are recording this uh, towards the middle end of March. It is past the Oscars, but as I was watching the Oscars, I was thinking about a score of movies from 2017 that I really loved that were not being talked about at the Oscars at all. And so the list, even though we're almost a quarter of the way through 2018, tonight we are going to rank the top 10 2017 movies that were nominated for zero Oscars. Ooh, okay. And just to add a little uh, more award show flair to this one, I have gone ahead and attributed each film on this list with the actual Oscar award that I think it probably either should have been nominated for oh. or was closest to being nominated for, if it was going to be nominated for anything. All right, can I ask on that, are you putting your Oscar hat on so basically we screw Chris Nolan over and just give him editing and, uh, like, sound editing and a cinematography non that he doesn't ever win kind of thing? Well, you'll see. And, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the thing about Chris Nolan is that Dunkirk was nominated for an Oscar, so it doesn't appear on this list. Thank you, Kyle. I'm using it as uh, a like a jumping off point. Okay. So, I, I guess another way to answer your question is I'm only gonna give the each award out once. So, like, I won't be giving best director to more than one person. And so, oh, okay, all right. And so, a film may be kind of screwed into like a lesser award if I think it was less deserving. Does that answer okay. your question? That's fair. Yep, that does make okay. sense. Um, so just for, so just real quick off the bat, some things that didn't make the list just cause they didn't fit our criteria that you might think would, um, Star Wars, Planet of the Apes, Guardians of the Galaxy, all excluded because they were all nominated for either sound editing or special effects Oscars. Planet of the Apes was a 2017 movie? Mm-hmm. Wow, it feels so long ago. I know. I think it was released in like early May or April, I think. Recently, for the pod listeners, we watched that. Oh yeah. my goodness, that movie's incredible. For those of you out there thinking like I shouldn't watch Planet of the Apes reboot because why reboot that? Watch it; it's really good. Yeah, and that's the other thing about this list. This is just kind of like a a net, like a catch-all for things that you may have missed in 2017, and we're telling you. And we can also say like whether or not this movie is worth going back for because there yeah. are some on this list that you really don't want to miss, and some yeah. that you could probably pass on. Agreed. Um. A couple of others that don't fit our criteria, Logan, because it was nominated for Best Screenplay, Adapted. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And The Big Sick, which I loved, but was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. That, you know, I find that to be an interesting example of the weird storylines that develop around the Oscars, that The Big Sick 
if you were to go back in a time machine to whenever that came out, was it summer? I think sometime, maybe June. Mm-hmm. Everybody was talking about that as an Oscar movie, like a yep. surefire Oscar movie, maybe talking about like a, a supporting actress nomination for Holly Hunter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like definitely going to win Best Original Screenplay. Well, if it had been released in October or November, maybe it's a different conversation, but probably is. Um, although this year, Get Out, even though it was released in February, got a bunch of nominations, which is cool. That's I, true. But just imagine, just imagine, I, there's no way they could have predicted any of this. Yeah. But if they had been able to predict the way that the Oscar race would go with all of the problems that would arise around a movie like Three Billboards, mm. they would have saved everybody's day and they would have rescued the, you know, the whole Hollywood foreign press for making kind of the weird decision it made to give it to Shape of Water. Like that movie would have absolutely have won if it had been released in call it November. I think especially because all the the talk about Black Panther at the time yeah. and like the just the everyone's mind was on like that those I think both of those movies got kind of thrown together in conversation. I think that would yeah. have contributed a lot to it, but totally. Anyways, Let's dive into it. Oh, I've also included only on this list um, movies that I actually saw. Okay. So later when I do honorable mentions, we can go through a bunch that I didn't actually see, but that were by all accounts supposed to be very good. Mm-hmm. Number 10, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Now, I didn't love this movie as much as you did. I was, <laughs> that was literally the first movie. So for the listeners, uh, a helpful visual is... Me on my computer as Kyle's talking, typing things up that I'm just thinking of as as we go. That's why occasionally it sounds like one of us is not listening to the other, because that's what we're doing. Kingsman was the first movie I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, I know you love Kingsman. Jameson <laughs> loved Kingsman, who I saw it with. Kingsman, I think, did, tried, to, tried to do a little too much in its second one. I love the first Kingsman movie. Yeah. This one, just a, a little much for me. Uh, I, I love... Uh, Julianne Moore, but thought her character was poorly written. Yes, um, totally. But I, some things I loved about this movie: Jeff Bridges, uh, mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal, amazing. Um, the action sequences are great. I Channing just thought, Tatum. Channing Tatum's fantastic. Holly Berry, a really, really strong supporting cast. Oh, but um, come on! But the best, the best person in the whole movie, Sir Elton John. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. If there was an Oscar for Best Cameo Appearance, he wins it hands down. He was the highlight of that movie. Let me ask you a question, Kyle. Did you right away know that that was actually Sir Elton John? I think so. He had the glasses and everything. See, for me, as that movie started, I don't want to give away too much about his his appearance because it's a fun one. But suffice to say, you will be surprised by some of the behaviors that Elton John is comfortable portraying on screen. So when this first started, I was like, oh, wow, they got a really good Elton John lookalike because there's no way this could really be Sir Elton John. And it turned out it was, and he was incredibly funny. Yeah, he's probably the highlight of the movie. Oh, Um, absolutely. The plot was contrived and didn't make much sense and is kind of forced, um, which it's supposed to be for a movie like this. But I thought it was a little much and just generally a disappointment. It's still worth your time if you like the first one. Is that fair? Yes, and it also has one of the weirdest and grossest sort of subplots I can remember in a movie. Ugh, I didn't, I didn't love that. That was, ugh, that was, that was. I totally forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah. That was disgusting. 
Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, <laughs> I very facetiously decided that we're calling this segment the Topskers, combining top 10 with the Oscars. Wow. And uh, I hope uh, to do this again next year. The 2017 Topsker for best costume design goes to Kingsman, the Golden Circle. They did a really fantastic job with um, a lot of different styles of clothing in this movie, be it the tuxedos that the Kingsmen yeah. are famous for wearing, the kind of American-style cowboy outfits that their um, their brothers in America wear, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of, like, the villain is, um, like, 60s-themed, so there's some cool, like, uh, costume design stuff there. So that is, yeah. the top skirt goes uh, to Kingsmen for that. Wait, can I just say one more thing? I don't, I, Mark Strong. How amazing is Mark Strong? He is so great. Once again, not no spoilers here, um, but he has a really great arc in this movie. And Mark Strong, for those of you who don't know off the top of your head, is the sort of interesting-looking, handsome, bald man who shows up in a lot of movies, typically in a sort of villainous role. He's in Zero Dark Thirty. He's in uh, Sherlock Holmes. He's in the weird uh, Robin Hood movie with Russell Crowe. He's all over the place, and he's so good. He's great. If if this was a parody of the Golden Globes and not the Oscars, this movie would have won Best Ensemble Cast, I think. Yeah. Instead, he won Best Cast Ensemble. Get it? it, Clothing? Fun Best Costumes? You're doing the fun thing with... You did the fun thing with Topskers, or whatever you're calling it. (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) Okay. Number nine. (laughs) I really like this movie a lot. (laughs) Oh, boy. This movie was The Foreigner, starring um, Pierce Brosnan and, in a lesser minor role, Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that, too. This is so good. So, this movie is definitely worth going back for if you enjoy a moderate amount of Jackie Chan or a lot of Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yeah, like, too much Pierce Brosnan. Like, way too much Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yeah. This movie, like, sneakily is all about like, the Irish rebellion, like, that exists in modern-day England and Ireland. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> as a subplot, Jackie Chan is there kicking ass. Yeah, it does not... It, it is very weird how it changes from, like, Jackie Chan, you know, martial arts revenge movie to, like, weird IRA thing where Pierce Brosnan is a thinly disguised Jerry Adams doing stuff and you're like how did we get here it's very weird and like it starts off exactly the way you'd expect it to and then it just kind of goes nowhere near where you thought it was gonna go no not at all the it actually is a lot of fun to watch Piers Brosnan do the Irish thing Mm -hmm. not do the Irish thing just be Irish yep um and the sequences with Jackie Chan are awesome he hasn't really lost a step um the action sequences are really well crafted, and it's a pretty clever movie. I enjoyed it a lot more than I think I thought I was going to. And for this one, because Chan is <laughs> kind of subservient to the other major plot point plot line in this movie, the Topsker for best supporting actor goes to him. It was really yeah. nice to see him come back a little older, but still like have that really awesome charm that he's famous for. And he's not funny in this movie, like he is in like um some of the other ones he's been in. The tuxedo, uh, the medallion. Right, exactly. Like, he's pretty serious. He This isn't really a spoiler, but he loses his daughter early in the yeah. film. And, like, watching a father kind of 
suffered through that and watching Jackie Chan do a little more serious something in this movie was really cool to see. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, worth noting for the listeners, our good friend Alex uh, is a stand-up comedian and has been exploring a lot of portrayals of Asian Americans on screen. Um, and obviously Jackie Chan in this movie is not portraying an Asian American, but he is portraying an Asian immigrant to the United Kingdom. And there is a lot of interesting stuff that they do in this movie that they really screw up with the portrayal of this character. But I think what's important is the talent of Jackie Chan, as always, shines through because he's so freaking good. So good. He's He really makes the movie shine. Without him, this is like a... Yeah. I'd probably tell you to just pass. Yeah, um, because you because then the problem is not only would it have turned into purely an IRA movie, it would have been billed that way. They never yeah. would have gotten my money if they had just said this is a Pierce Brosnan like pseudo political thriller about Absolutely. the IRA. But they they snuck me in there and they kept me interested enough with all the Jackie Chan stuff. Yeah, even through all the weird nephew subplot stuff, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Good movie, go see it. Yeah, very good. Number eight. <laughs> A common theme. I really like this movie. Um, <laughs> I saw this one with Allegis. Uh, we had both listened to an audio version of this book briefly beforehand, and so we're very excited for it. Number eight is Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch this movie if you are a fan of Agatha Christie, obviously. If you're a fan of uh, the original story. If you like pretty entertaining detective movies or any kind of mystery movie in general uh or you like panning shots of the orient yeah um, cgi panning shots <laughs> yeah there were like two actual shots and then a lot of cgis yeah i thought this movie was a pretty good adaptation of the story and uh did a good job kind of explaining a pretty complicated resolution uh with pretty limited time i think yeah um Another really good ensemble cast, you had Daisy Ridley, Willem Dafoe, um, Judy Dench, and obviously Kenneth Branagh as the titular Hercule Poirot. Yep. Um, yeah, there was a lot. There's a couple others, too. Um, what's her name there? Uh, was it uh, was it Penelope Cruz, right, was in it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was a big... Yeah, I, you already said a bunch of them. I can't, they all like run in together because there were oh. so many good ones. Um, Johnny Depp also. Yeah, Johnny Depp. Did you get Josh Gad too? Josh Gad was in it. Don't forget Josh Gad. Um, yeah, too much Johnny Depp. But whatever. That's a complaint. Oh, I for disagree. Day. I quite like Johnny Depp. Okay, fair movie. enough. Yeah, I really like this movie. I thought it was good for what it was supposed to be. The top skirt I'm awarding to this one. <laughs> I'm going to say that every time. Is best cinematography? Oh, interesting. Not because of the panning shots of fake mountains, but. They did some really clever things because the entire thing is on a train. Do you remember the scene when they first enter the car with the, the victim in it? The whole thing is shot overhead. Yes. And it that, kind of I showed, wondered how they did that, actually, as they were doing it. Very cool. Like, the ceiling was removed, and they showed people coming in and out of the car. And, like, yeah. the train's very long and narrow, obviously. So mm -hmm. they did some really creative things with, like side shots of people just like traversing yeah. the carriages mm -hmm. a lot of like mo like cool movement with the camera to make you feel like you were on a train yeah. um and then there are some neat things they do like in a couple of action sequences that take place outside of the train itself that are are well done i thought they did a lot of clever things in this movie and kind of made they kind of really captured a like a very claustrophobic feel which i imagine if i was on a train that 
was snowed in and I knew that there was a murderer on board the train, I would feel very claustrophobic uh, and kind of tense. And I think the way that they shot the movie kind of brought that out. And so I thought it was deserving of this. I totally agree. I think that's a that's an excellent category. I assume this was going to be for makeup um, because I have to assume that the Branagh mustache is uh, a prosthetic, but I'm not sure. Mike, uh, I'm surprised to hear you. S- no, I'm d- educate me. I'm surprised to hear you incorrectly say Kenneth Branagh's mustache because in episode six of this very pod, we discussed how Hercule Poirot's mustaches are incredible. Oh, well, I was trying to be kind to the listener, and I referenced <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's mustache. Hercule Poirot's mustache is. <laughs> We're on point, and of course not prosthetic, but I think that Kenneth Branagh's mustache may have been. Absolutely. But good catch. Good catch nonetheless. I will grant you well, that. Well, not a catch. I, I knew, I know for a fact that you would never Oh, no, 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 no. I know you're not trying to catch me out. I appreciate your listening. We can't have the listeners thinking that we're slipping in our Agatha Christie here. I just want everyone to know that we know it's mustaches. That's true. I want to just note one thing about this, uh, this adaptation. Um, so I, for the listeners who haven't picked up on it, I'm an avid reader of, uh, of old British fiction. I love mystery fiction, especially of uh, the Golden Age. And so I love this book. The thing that I, I was kind of not sure they were going to be able to do was recreate the suspense. And I think that, as Kyle mentioned, they did a really nice job um, explaining you know, what was going on. But more importantly, I kind of missed the boat. They didn't try to recreate the suspense. What they did was they added a much more thoughtful discussion of why the crime happened, uh, that was actually really effectively done. I was very surprised at how effectively that was managed. Uh, and that was what I, I had my biggest takeaway from this was. Excellent. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I'm hopeful that we return to this universe soon. I I am doubtful, but I really hope we do. I know. I just don't think it did quite well enough for them to risk it. Yeah. But it doesn't take that much to make these movies. I don't know. We'll see. The thing is, I wait. Last thing, the the Poirot has been done on the small screen a lot um, through like masterpiece mystery and presumably in partnership with some British television. Um, so they did it on a much smaller budget, but they produced something like thirty or forty of these things that were like an hour and a half a piece and were really good. So I don't know, maybe there's a different medium. It would be kind of neat if HBO picked this up as like a, you know. They could they could easily do that, I would think. Distribute this um, like four hour and fifteen hour and a half episodes with uh, Kenneth. I think it would honestly even work as a, a weekly. You know, like oh, I definitely would. But I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my hopes low. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Number seven. This is a movie I really liked, mm-hmm. um, but it's low on the list because I think in general people didn't love it as much as I did. Okay. Number seven is Alien Covenant. Yeah. We've talked, I don't know if we've talked on this podcast yet about how right we were about Prometheus when that came out several years ago. Plant that flag, baby. We loved that movie way before it was cool. Yeah. And I think that I like this movie before it's cool. I think people in a couple years will look back on this and and a little more favorably. I think it's a really, really well, or it's a really good combination of the classic horror elements of Alien, Aliens, mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about Alien 3 or 4. We'll skip those for a second. And the heady kind of existential pondering of Prometheus. 
<sighs> it combines them, I think, really succinctly in a single film that at the same time made me really think hard and also just yeah. scared the living poop out of me. Totally. I want to add two quick thoughts on this topic. My my one is I need you to give the listeners some background on sort of our experience of watching this first one because it's important in getting people motivated to see a movie like this that doesn't totally get the critical fanfare that we think it deserves. But second is is my own thought, which is that I think you're probably right. I think you're ahead on liking this movie. But I will say for sure, in 10 years when we come back and listen to this, you're either going to be very right or very wrong <laughs> because there's one scene in particular where Michael Fassbender makes out with Michael Fassbender. That's right. And yes, the movie does explain how that happens where that will either be seen as like real dedication to a great movie or what the hell happened in this movie? I'm glad you bring that up. Well, so sorry. What did you want to say about Prometheus? I just want you to give us a little color. Like, you, me, Mike, watching this, our existential dread. The basic... So, Prometheus is a prequel to the Alien franchise films. Um, And the basic premise is that these folks searching (laughs) for the creators of mankind travel into the stars to see if they can determine anything about our origins as a species... Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. <laughs> they find some things that are <laughs> pretty <Yeah>. upsetting. <laughs> They're a little tough. And and for the viewer, which are really cleverly done, to not make you go, oh, that's a cool movie mythology, to make you actually go, huh, this is <laughs> oh. kind of interesting. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it's getting um, warm in here. This movie is a little more ham-fisted with, the th- yeah. with, with it, but... Um, the same goes for the horror aspects, which I really appreciated. Go back to this movie if you like... I think if you like Prometheus or any of the other Alien movies, this is a solid yeah. installment in the series. Mm-hmm. Watch this movie if you like Fassbender. Yes, Watch definitely. this movie if you enjoy Danny McBride in supporting roles. And really good in a supporting role, too. He yeah. was terrific in this movie. Also, watch this movie if you just like um, like really sleek kind of horror thriller movies. It's... Yeah. Um, also, don't watch this with kids. It's incredibly no, don't, gory. No, don't watch it with the kids. Also, watch it if you like that moment where you're like, ah, shit, this is where it all went wrong. When somebody, like, go just coughs a little bit and you're like, well, that's it. They're all dead. They're all dead. I'm doubling down on the Fassbender thing. Yeah. The top score for best actor in a lead role goes to oh. Michael Fassbender's. Wow, I like that. I, I don't think it's kitschy or cheap to have two fast benders in this movie, I think it really illustrates an important as like an important theme in this movie. And the two characters that he portrays are very different and you can pretty, <laughs> you can pretty much always tell which one he's trying to portray at any given time. <laughs> I, I really thought he's, I mean, without Fastbender in this movie, this is just, this is an okay horror movie, but like yeah. his characters in this movie really set the groundwork for what these prequel movies are going to continue to be, I think. Totally. And uh, when he's on screen, the movie's a lot better. When he, It's yeah. him and the alien. Like, the alien or him. If, if neither of them is on screen, it's like, eh. Yeah. He, you know what's crazy? Actually, you're talking about the range of Michael Fassbender. Basically, what he is in this movie is he's Sherlock Holmes and he's Dr. Watson. He's both. Because he's our eyes into this world as one of these characters and he's the sort of mysterious, reclusive genius that we don't understand. 
and in both roles is outstanding. He's great. Love Fastbender. Yeah, totally. Gonna recap, and then we're gonna do our not top three. And they are mm-hmm. a good not top three. Mm. And by that, I mean very bad. Okay, number 10 was Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Mm-hmm. Number 9 was The Foreigner. Number 8 was Murder on the Orient Express. And number 7 was Alien, Covenant. Not top three. Um, one of the best things <laughs> I did this year was invest in a movie pass. Yeah. Which meant that I have seen a lot of bad movies this year. We are not endorsed by MoviePass. We are in no way endorsing MoviePass. <laughs> Kyle, just, don't cut any of this, but just so people know, we're not endorsed by MoviePass. If MoviePass would like to endorse, uh, no, whatever, you know, call us up. Um, <laughs> so, as a result, I saw a lot of bad movies this year. <laughs> One of which that I really actually enjoyed quite a bit because I expected it to be so awful, and it was, was uh, Geostorm. Um, Wait, you saw Geostorm? Oh, absolutely. I saw Geostorm. Oh my god. Saw Geostorm with Jameson. The premise, for those of you who don't know, is that (laughs) there's a giant satellite that controls the Earth's weather, Mm -hmm. um, and it's on the fritz, and it just causes all of these ridiculous natural disasters to occur. And I'm spoiling this because I am recommending to no one... Yeah, that's okay. that, ...that you should see this movie. Basically, Gerard Butler is the scientist that, like, invents the satellite, and to fix it, he literally just has to restart it. It's like when anything is wrong with your computer, like, did you restart it? This is it. They're like, That's all the tough. weather's going wrong! And he's like, did you restart it? <laughs> like, oh, no. no. <laughs> so then he has to go up into space and restart the satellite, and that's it. Um, that's, that's it? it? This movie? That's it. This movie Ugh. made 2012. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. That's got John Cusack in it, right? Yep. Very bad movie. This movie, by comparison, made that movie look amazing. Because at least in that movie, there were exciting sequences that were well-rendered. Yeah. This movie has none of that. For a movie about natural disasters, there's very little of it. Um, Just an awful, awful movie. But not lower on this, not top three, because that's all I expected. Um, Yeah. And it There's also one movie ahead of this that I know has to be ahead of this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, moving on. Number two, this is a movie that a lot of people actually kind of liked. Um, and I absolutely despise it. I hate this movie. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Whoa, I didn't see it. It was that bad in your eyes, huh? I hated this movie because it was just lazy. It was just a lazy movie. I can get by... A movie that's, that you tried and it just was not good. And didn't the pieces didn't click. Mm-hmm. This was a lazy movie. They took the Jumanji IP and they slapped it on this and said, what's the easiest way we can get The Rock and Kevin Hart into this movie um, and churn out a couple million dollars? And it was, it was crude. Like, it was too crude for a kid to see, but not intelligent enough for an adult. It was so lazy the plot points it just it made no sense and it was just it was it tried to do this really like it thought it was being cute like this wink to the old jumanji movies and it just came off as really disingenuous and kind of disrespectful honestly of that movie that a lot of people have a lot of respect for myself included like specifically to robin williams specifically to robin williams yeah and it just and they and they totally like just like it would be one thing to just, like, make a new movie that kind of, like, leaves that one alone, but this one actually discredits a lot of, like, the world-building that movie did. 
I can't say enough bad things about this movie. I hated it. And I know a lot wow. of people liked it. Um, I will say that The Rock and Kevin Hart like are good for what they've been asked to do. They're yeah. both really likable. I cannot recommend to anyone that they see this movie. I just absolutely was so disappointed by it moving on uh number one i'm sure you know <laughs> yeah number one there can only be one <laughs> justice league yeah uh, Ugh. um <laughs> it's just it's just it's the thing about it is it's two bad movies the Zack snyder one might have been okay but they took out like the good parts of that and they replaced it with like bad joss whedon yeah. And you can, like, really obviously see the stitching in this movie where they tried to piece it together. Acting mm-hmm. is horrible. The writing is worse, somehow. Yeah. yeah. Um, the action is not good. It looks bad. Oh, no. Oh, it looks horrible. It's really, horrible. really, really bad in all aspects. Um, which is too bad, because I love the Justice League and all those yeah. characters. And we don't we don't have to rehash all. We've definitely shared some of these thoughts, but one one thing in, in the doesn't look good category was, of course, the CGI mustache on Henry Cavill. That was bad. Uh, relatedly, the incredibly incredibly telegraphed, uh, um, you know, rising from the dead of Superman. Oh, but geez. much more importantly, the greatest crime of this entire movie, the greatest crime is to take everybody's favorite new superhero, Wonder Woman, who is incredible and charming and funny and strong and different and literally everything that she was in Wonder Woman and ruin her and turn her into slow tracking shots of her butt while she did stuff. It it was a crime. It was an absolute crime. Couldn't agree more. I'll cut you off because we're going to have more time to gush over Wonder Woman a little bit later. Okay. Let's get back to the good movies. It's not as yeah. much fun talking about bad movies. It's a little bit fun. Eh? It is fun, but I like actually hated these movies. They weren't like silly <laughs> bad movies. I yeah, actually agreed. hated them. And was actually looking forward to Justice League and Jumanji, so that hurt. Yeah. Back into the fun side of things. This one would probably have been number one or two for me, personally, because uh, I am about the biggest Spider-Man fan that there is. Yeah. <laughs> number six is Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so excited to see what the award is that you're giving this one because there's a couple potential ones. Yeah, this one, this one is a nerdy, a nerdy top score to give out. I so, but just to just a, a general overview, you should see this movie if you like. I'm not even gonna qualify. You should see this movie. This is just a yeah. good movie. Um, yeah. it's funny. It's uh. I think it, it does a good job of kind of like really addressing the high school, like the Peter Parker side of Spider-Man. Yeah, you said it. You were you were about two years ahead on this when they announced that they were going to reboot this. You said the only thing I think you I think I remember you saying the only thing I want is for him to be an actual teenager this time. Yep. And they nailed it. Tom Holland is so charismatic. I love yeah. him. They just like they didn't. They didn't overdo it with the Marvel thing. They didn't, like, jam him into a bunch of subplots. They didn't raise the stakes to world-ending proportions. Totally, yep. That was so huge. And on that note, um, Michael Keaton as the Vulture is, I think, top three or four best, like, superhero villains we've seen in a long time. He's so compelling in this movie. Totally. He makes a lot of sense. He's grounded. Well, he's not grounded. Oh, gross. <laughs> God, when did you start hanging out with Dylan so much? I know. Um, Shouts to Dylan. Yeah. 
but he just makes sense as a villain. He's just a yeah. guy, uh, yep. and not just a guy, but this movie is funny. It's got great action. It's got great interaction between his characters. Yeah. Um, and as a superhero movie, it's just a ton of fun. I really, really can't wait for more Spider-Man in this universe. Totally. The top score for this movie is best visual effects. Mm. This is not a cop out. This is for no. a, this is a very specific design choice that I think made a very big difference that gets overlooked. I know. You know what? I have a strong feeling I know where you're going with this. I'm excited to hear if I'm right. So, if you've seen any of the Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield movies, you'll know that they used a practical costume, um, including the face mask, which means that the mask is, is set in place, and so the eye holes are uh, static. They don't move. In this movie, they made the choice to actually render his mask using uh, computers, which means that like his mask actually changes to reflect his emotions. So if he's surprised, the, the eyes on his his mask open up wide or if he's angry he'll, they'll squint or you know, like he's just the the face of spider-man in this movie is is leaps and bounds more emotive than it has been in the past which is important because the emotional depth of this spider-man i think is greater than the ones in previous films wow. um well <laughs> sorry careful there definitely more so than spider-man 3 <laughs> Yeah, well, I just, I just think like th- maybe not more, not more depth no. emotionally, but a wider breadth and like a more yes, emotionally, uh, like emotive character because he's, yeah. he's a kid. Yeah, um, I thought it was brilliant, and I think it really adds a lot to the character. And if you're not thinking about it, that kind of gets overlooked. But I think that was a huge decision that they completely nailed when they did the visual effects on this. Movie. Yeah, can I say the thing I think they did best? What I think they did best was they tried to make a B-plus movie, and they made a B-plus movie. I, I like movies that swing for the fences and sometimes make it, sometimes don't. Our classic example that you and I always quote is The Watchmen. Tried to be an A-plus movie. It's like an F, but there are A-plus elements in there, and it was really cool, and I think it was neat that that movie reached for the stars. Sometimes people shoot for an A and get an F that's truly worthless. This one recognized that it wasn't going to be the A-plus of the MCU, the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe, it went for a B plus and it freaking nailed that B plus. Such a good movie. Loved it. I actually love Watchmen. I think Watchmen's a good movie. No, no, I I you know I love Watchmen, but it's ridiculous and crazy and yeah. they overspent on the CGI for Dr. Manhattan's eight dongs. Totally agree. I completely see your point. This movie knew what it was gonna be and it just nailed it. Yeah, totally. Number five. <laughs> I forgot that this movie came out this year, and I don't remember being much happier than I was in a theater watching this movie. Mm. The Lego Batman movie. Yeah. I <laughs> I forgot that came out this year, too, until I did a little quick Googling while you were talking. Lego Batman, even over some of the comedies this year, I think is probably the funniest movie I saw this year. Mm. It's just a joy to behold. It's just fun from start yeah. to finish. Uh, it has surprising emotional depth yeah and it is a shockingly good batman movie totally like they really get to the what the heart of batman's character is in a lot of this movie kind of focuses on his reluctance to 
have people that are close to him due to his fear of losing them and about as serious as you'd want a Lego movie to get. On top of that, just the, for Batman nerds like Mike and myself, this was just a treasure trove of references and Easter eggs and homages to old Batman. This movie was made with such care that and it like it totally shows with every stud in this movie. I've seen this movie like four times. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I would recommend this movie to anyone that likes a good old time while watching a movie. And definitely anyone who has kids. Yeah. Uh, it's kid friendly and fun for it's fun for the whole family in a very real sense. I love this movie. Absolutely. I agree on all counts. Um, I just want to say, for me and Kyle, to all the movie producers listening to this podcast, you know, we're not we're not creative types per se, but there are some times that we could tell you how to make a successful movie. For those of you out there trying to make a new Batman movie, we'll give you a hint. Respect the mythology, make a smaller, more personal story, and make it about Batman. That's what this movie did in a ridiculously goofy way, but it, that's what it did, and it did it so well. Uh, my only complaint about this movie, although it's sort of not a complaint because it was also awesome, is that Ray Fine uh, does the voice of Alfred in this movie. And spoiler alert uh, for those of you out there who like Harry Potter, Voldemort shows up in the Batman story, but is not voiced by Ray Fine, who plays Batman or who plays Voldemort in the Harry Potter movie. He was already there. You just had to yes. walk next door. Yeah, Ray, literally you know, ten minutes. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that that's my only complaint. Otherwise, yes, terrific that was so movie. Weird. I know it was just odd. <laughs> I was. I remember being really disappointed when I saw Voldemort. There's like 10 minutes between when he first shows up and when he has his first line. And I spent mm -hmm. like 10 minutes being like, oh boy, oh boy, Ray Fine, because I knew he was in the movie. <laughs> and then he just wasn't. And I was like weirdly yeah. disheartened. But then I got over it because Batman was beating up a bunch of penguins or like talking about his abs or like playing the guitar or something. So yeah, it was all good. Uh, Lego Batman wins uh, the 2017 Tops Curve for Best Animated Film. Yep, absolutely. Number four. Three superhero movies in a row. Oh. Um, number four is the complete surprise smash hit Thor Ragnarok. You look like you're about to say something. No, I th I didn't think that was a movie you were about to say. Yeah, no, don't worry. It's still coming. Um, yep. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> if there was an Oscar for most improved series award. Yes. This would win it. <laughs> most improved actor award. Most approved look for an actor award. Everything. Yeah. It's no surprise. Best jo Jeff Goldblum of the year. Best. Worst Jeff Goldblum of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Best, like, completely inexplicable to change the very fundamental nature of a character. We're talking about yes. Hulk here. Yeah. <laughs> I can Hulk talk now. Um, <laughs> all great decisions. Yeah. Um, it's no surprise. It's no, it's, it's no secret that Thor 1 and 2 suck. Yeah, they're not good. This movie is hilarious. Yeah. It's really, really fun. It, a lot of the same... I'm going to say a lot of the same things about in the last two movies. None of these movies are super... Aren't going to make you think too much. But Thor, finally, they kind of went the Guardians route and just realized... We have, like, Chris Hemsworth. This guy is funny. Let's set him loose. Let's see what he can do. They made a, a, a kind of a weird, like... Uh, consistency-wise decision with the Hulk, but they, made, they kind of turned it into a cool buddy movie. Tessa Thompson's in this movie. 
Yeah, and so good. They use Mark Ruffalo really well. They use Tom Hiddleston really well. And there are yeah. some cool minor characters that kind of steal the show whenever they're on screen. I would yeah. I would recommend this movie to Marvel fans, except I don't know if there are any that haven't seen it at this point. Yeah. Um, I would recommend this movie. Go back and watch this movie if you have any interest at all in seeing, like, uh, the next Avengers movie, the next Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, or if you're just in the mood for kind of a, a punch em up kind of just fun. Movie. It's a fun movie. I actually think, uh, Kate Blanchett's really good in this movie too. She's great. Yeah, she is. She's, she's terrific in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like out of nowhere. Yeah. I totally agree. I think it's a really good primer for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It kind of gives you what can be best about it. Um, it does it all. I actually, uh, I just, came back from Iceland recently. Uh, longtime girlfriend Caroline and I went to Iceland and I literally couldn't stop everywhere we went uh, picturing the scene where Thor comes out to the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. And it just, it was so freaking perfect because the movie recognized, and, and I am far from the first to say this, the movie recognized that Thor is kind of ridiculous it just made him ridiculous. Finally. And embraced it. Yes, finally. He's silly. He's a god who takes himself way too seriously and looks too good and is too powerful and all this stuff. And they just make him funny and it's really well done. Absolutely. This movie made me weirdly terrified that he's going to die in Avengers 3 because like mm. before this, I just probably could have taken it or left it. Yeah. And I would have worried the whole time about Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. But now I'm seriously going to be worried about Chris Hemsworth and Thor. Yeah, so, in this Deadpool, Downey Jr.'s gone. So we can you can count him out. He's dead. I know. I know. And probably, probably Chris Evans, too. I know. Well, Did you read that article that was on The Ringer? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a couple of them gone. I'm going to cry. Um, <clears throat> the top score for Thor Ragnarok is Best Original Screenplay. Hmm. I re- totally. I guess this would be best adapted screenplay since it's based on a comic. Yeah, uh, that's true. And, and it's based off the Planet Hulk storyline, so uh, shame on me. Yeah, so you're doubly wrong, Kyle. Best adapted screenplay. It wins. Can I just say the only thing that might disqualify this? I don't. And now I actually am not sure what the rules are. I don't know when they do that. Do they actually have to have the screenplay written down? Because I imagine when this script was actually written that a lot of the stuff that made it into the movie was not there. I completely agree. I think it would still qualify for this award. Um, I think that Taika Wakiti, the guy who directed this and wrote it, just made a really brilliant choice in going off the rails here and totally. wrote, wrote a really fantastic movie. I actually considered giving him Best Director because I thought that... like his take on this movie was just incredible and really yeah if only if only for the the guts the guts to just take it in a different direction yeah even though it doesn't take a lot of guts to make a marvel movie um but like he took some risks i guess you could say with this movie and it really paid off in a big way yeah recap real quick number 10 kingsman 2 the golden circle Number nine, The Foreigner. Number eight, Murder on the Orient Express. Number seven, Alien Covenant. Number six, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number five, Lego Batman. Number four, Thor Ragnarok. We're we're doing pretty good on time, but I don't want to spend too much time on all these honorable mentions. And I kind of like when we do the rapid fire. I'm going to rattle through a bunch of movies. I didn't see any of the movies I'm about to list. Okay. And these were all supposed to be very good movies that I think probably are worth your time. It, 
the Stephen King adaptation I heard mm. was fantastic. Yeah. Um, a lot better than some of the other film adaptations of that same source material. Uh, American Made, the Tom Cruise one, where he was like a drug smuggling kind of guy fly- flying airplanes. Uh, Only the Brave, that one had uh, Josh Brolin and Miles Teller. They were kind of like the California firefighter story. Fate of the Furious, um, which I'm not into that series, and I wish I was. If I had seen this movie, I'm sure it would have been high on this list. Wait, I have to ask you one quick question on this one. Did you see the first one, at least? I've never seen any of them. Oh, my God. Well, Kyle, I already broke the rule. You asked me to save a movie for our next uh, movie weekend, and I accidentally didn't because I have a bad memory. So don't feel obligated to save this one, but if you can, save it because it's so good. We should watch it together. All right. I can save it. A couple more real quick. Uh, Downsizing, the Matt Damon one that looked kind of silly about him being real tiny. Uh, Cars 3, got to reference Pixar if you can. And... These last couple I heard were not great. Um, Suburbicon and The Mummy. I heard they were both pretty bad. The Mummy? Huh? Yeah, the Tom Cruise one? No, I know. I can't believe that you even mentioned it. Yeah. I Oh, I might have had that as a contender for my not top three. <laughs> I think you might have because yeah. that was the one that killed the Marvel Dark Universe. Yeah. Uh, or Universal, whoever it was, they were going to do like a knockoff of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but with dark stuff. And this, they did one movie and it killed it. It was so bad. I hate when that happens. Yeah, it's a tough one. Those are my honorable mentions. I'm sure you have a couple. We'll get to yours after I do my last couple here. Excellent. Hit me with the top three, baby. I'm excited. Top three. We've talked about it already uh, peripherally. Number three, Wonder Woman, of course. Wonder Woman was such a kick in the pants, both for the viewing public and for the movie industry in general. Yeah. Same thing with Thor. Like, it's never really a huge risk to make a superhero movie like this. Yeah. Um, But this is the first female-led one. It's kind of non-conventional in a lot of ways. And they mm-hmm. completely stuck the landing. Yeah. This movie has its flaws. The third act is really bad. Actually? I just rewatched. So can I actually just mention? I just rewatched this actually last night. Oh wow! And yeah, Caroline, longtime girlfriend, had not seen it, and I just rewatched it with her. And the ending is not as bad as you remember. It's still as long and unnecessarily drawn out with as poor of special effects as you remember. Okay, but if only it were just a little shorter. It's not quite as bad as you remember. Okay, but I agree with I've- the general point. I think the point is that it, it's stuff. It's it's not like it completely revolutionized superhero movies, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an origin story that ends with a kind of big gray and red special effects driven third act. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't escape all of those things that superhero movies tend to struggle with, yep. but it does so many things so well and so fresh. She's just a really compelling character. The world building that they do on Themyscira is so cool. Yeah. Um, that action sequence in the beginning of the movie when they uh, fight all of the soldiers on the beach, even with the gratuitous use of slow motion, I was it was so good. It was a good use of slow motion. Like it was the way they're shooting arrows, kind of like the way in Black Panther. Like a lot of the weapons are like spears and like like they don't use really guns a lot. And totally. It's cool. Yeah, it's that's really part, cool. that's one of the cool things about the whole movie is it so cleverly crosses time and space. And to be able to show you 
people from the ancient world, you know, slash alternate universe, people from World War One in the real world, people from modern day, and to combine all of that was so cool. I love it. I would recommend this movie to anyone who likes really strong, compelling, charismatic lead roles. Yeah. I would recommend this movie to fans of Chris Pine because he yep. is awesome. Oh, he kills it. He absolutely kills it. I'm I'm above I'm above average. I'm above average. <laughs> I after um Hell or High Water in this movie, I am oh, just so yeah. on board the Chris Pine train. Yeah. They need to add him to the Chris Wars. <laughs> he really belongs. I think I think these last this last couple movies for him really elevates him onto at least the same conversation as Evans and Hemsworth. Yeah, this movie. Yeah, I and I love the World War One setting. I thought oh, they, they so kind of, compelling, and they did the Marvel thing where they just found some really fun supporting characters for her yep. to interact with. Shouts to dude uh, from uh, the Missing season one. Yep. Also from uh, all you Losties out there, uh, Caesar from Lost in uh, seasons uh, five and six. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great ragtag group. Great. That scene where they're outside of the little church in the pub uh, after oh. they uh, save the town was one of the top three to five scenes in all of superhero movies. It was so good. So good. Loved it. We just and I saw this one together. We were always yeah. going to see this movie and just really loved it. And it's no surprise to anybody that a, that a woman can can headline a movie like this and it can be a success both commercially and critically um but it was just really validating to see it finally happen and i'm looking forward to many more of these films well the best thing i think the best thing about the the way that this movie was done was that if you think about it it couldn't have been done you couldn't replace this movie's lead with a man you couldn't redo this and have it make sense the journey that she takes, it wouldn't be as believable. The only sort of possibility you could have is have this be somebody who's totally outside of the community they're going into. So obviously her being from, you know, the Themyscira, it kind of helps along that. But her being a woman is a really important step in this movie. It makes her outside of the high command from the British military. It adds an extra level of complication to the relationship with Chris Pine it makes her her sort of innocence in the way that these war at this time works more believable. And I think that's like a really good test from a movie like this. It's one of the things that made Black Panther so good. You couldn't recreate that movie without the setting. It, that movie is good because if it's essential, the fact that it is African, the fact that it is Wakanda, yep. the fact that it is... Yep. It is Oakland. Like, those are the things that make it what it is, and you couldn't replace that setting with anything else. That's what makes this movie so good. Well said, Mike. Yeah. I I think this movie's on HBO, so I'm probably going to rewatch it soon. It is. And I hope the award, you went the, you went the obvious route and gave this the right award. The award, the top score for Best Actress goes to yeah. Gal Gadot. Ugh. 10 out of 10. She uh, is just... Whenever she's on screen, like, this movie just pops. She's so, like, her her whole fish-out-of-water routine at the beginning is so charming. Oh, when it's she's, brilliant. When she's walking around... Well, first of all, when she puts on... Um, she's trying on all those different dresses, and she finally uh, puts that, that, like, suit on with the glasses. Yeah. First of all, she's inc she's just stunningly beautiful. She's the and most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. It's She's... 
It's like unbelievable. Stunningly, there's not too often you see a woman that just is stunningly beautiful, and she's one of them. And then when she's walking around with the sword and the shield, and this doesn't understand it, um, and she gets so excited to see the baby yeah. outside of the train station. Yeah! Like, she, and she's just a badass. Like, the battle yeah. sequences are so cool. Um, yeah, I... I was actually really surprised that this movie didn't get an Oscar, an Oscar nomination. I thought one. that that was would too. But, but you're right about Gal. Her physic her physicality was one of the best things about it. Like she's an, clearly an incredible athlete, yes. and she's an excellent. She's a very gifted physical comic too. Yeah, very good. Love Wonder Woman. Yeah, number two. I don't know if you saw this one. Okay, I saw it specifically to so I could do this podcast because it's like the most positively reviewed movie on this list, at least in terms of Metascore, the movie is Logan Lucky. Oh my God. Now that you're reminding me, I have to see that still. You... I wanted I wanted to see it. I saw the trailer so long ago and thought it looked great. You absolutely must see this movie. I recommend it to fans of Soderbergh. So anyone who likes heist movies, Oceans, any of those movies, this is... It's... It, it's it's doing it an injustice to say that it's oceans again in a different setting. That's a really high level way to describe it. This is a heist movie, but it is so much more very loosely explaining it. It's a couple of brothers that decide to rob a motor speedway on a race day. Uh, and cause there's so much cash going through the, those system with, uh, whatever. So it, it is a heist movie. Channing Tatum plays the lead role. Supporting him in this movie and stealing the show anytime he's on screen is Adam Driver. Um, and they're both from, like, the South, like, either North or South Carolina, so they speak in heavy accents. Uh, they are so charming. Really cool to see in this movie is Daniel Craig in a supporting role, who plays basically an explosives expert. Mm. He's got this short, cropped, bleached hair... He's even further south than they are. He's got a really nasally kind of twangy southern thing going, which... And does he keep it the whole movie? The whole movie. He does not pull a girl with a dragon <laughs> tattoo and just give up a third of the way in. Yeah. If ever you wondered that movie was filmed chronologically, it was. He quits after the second scene. He commits to it all the way through, and it's just really refreshing to see him play not what's his name from girl to dragon tattoo or bond basically the same character everyone in this movie is really charming and it's really it's a really tight movie uh it's very well oiled as all of his movies are i just had a lot of fun watching this movie and chatting tatum just continues to rise in my book every time i see him in something new i really enjoy him um and i think adam driver is like the next big thing i know he's in star wars but his range is, is you can see in this movie and there's this other movie that came out I can't remember if it was this year or the year before called Patterson. I think he's mm. a star that is rising rapidly. I would recommend this movie to anybody. It, and it's and by the way, besides just being really uh tight and kind of thrilling, it is hilarious. It is funnier than the Oceans movies. Um wow. I I think so. This is one of my new favorite movies. I really really liked it. Okay, sold. I wanted to see it already, forgot it existed, and now I really want to see it again. No, you're really going to like it. Um, Okay. I think this should be on the list, even if you do end up seeing it, and we've both Mm -hmm. seen it by this time, by the the time it comes next year. I I would love to watch this again for Movie Weekend. Oh, I would definitely do that. Number one. Wait, wait, what's... I'm assuming it was Best Supporting Actor for Adam Driver? Oh, sorry. No, we already gave Best Supporting Actor to Chan. 
Okay. Um, I'm giving Soderbergh best director on this one. I okay. thought that it was a really well put together movie. Okay, excellent. Um, really good use of the pieces he had at his disposal. Number one, I'm sure you know what number I one hope is. I know what number one is. Yes. Uh, number one goes to a film that we saw together. Well, we okay, didn't, good. You didn't see it with me the first time, but we yeah. watched it together at Movie Weekend. This movie came out of nowhere and just knocked me on my butt. And yeah. it's really, really something else. Yeah. Number one is Wind River. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know what it is, and that's probably a lot of people... Uh, Wind River is the story of a murder that occurs on a Native American reservation, and basically, through some circumstances, the people that end up investigating this murder are, like, a professional game hunter and, like, a, uh, a, uh, criminologist, and it's... Classic FBI rook. Yeah, a rook. And it's Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner in this place that they don't really fit in very well. Well, Renner does more so than she does. Anyways, it's it's a it's a kind of a murder mystery. It's just a it's really kind of a hard hitting. I don't know. It, I would not. I wouldn't recommend this movie to everybody. I would say see this movie if uh, you're in the mood for something that is a little more on the serious side, but can like really grab you by the shirt. Like pretty yeah. early on, and doesn't really let go until the end. Yeah, be ready. This is a violent movie. Very, very much so. Yes, that's a that's an important warning. It's very, it's very upsetting. Uh, it, it's not not throughout. It's not gonna. The whole movie isn't going to be, you know, gore and violence. But there, there's a few scenes that are very disturbing. Very intense film, but very, very well acted by all parties involved. And you were very right to show this to to me when we got together. I I think that was probably the best movie we watched that weekend, and I think undisputed the best movie that came out last year that was nominated for zero Oscars. Totally agree. There's no question. It was so freaking good. The thing that it's Ty Sheridan. It was the writer of this movie. I believe he directed it too, and he's got a couple writing and or directing credits to his name. Um, so Sicario, he wrote. He, I believe, wrote and directed Hell or High Water. He did this one. He's got a new one coming out that I just saw the description for, and it looked incredible. He's just, he's outstanding. He plays he's another uh, rising star. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's having an Affleck-like opening to his career, uh, and in some ways more varied and interesting. Um, this movie was just such an interesting meditation on, like, parenthood, on crime, on Native American affairs, on... Like, modernity versus tradition. It's just, there's so many different thoughts that this movie has, and it has them all really coherently um, and really quietly, too. Like, it just, it kind of lets the story be, but at the same time touches on all those questions in a really cool way. Like you said, incredible performances. I mean, Jerry, Jeremy Renner was just pitch perfect in this movie um, and a little bit against type for himself because he was he was much more reserved than usual um, Elizabeth Olsen was outstanding outstanding doing her best yeah. Jodie Foster impersonation uh, and doing it really well um, the father of the victim uh, who was also in hell or high water was outstanding it just start to finish movie was so good couldn't recommend it more highly so long as you're in the right frame of mind Yep. Also, a uh, really good performance in a limited role from uh, John Bernthal. Yes, I actually just remembered him as we were talking. He was terrific, too. He and Elizabeth Olsen are two people that, like, coming out of this movie, I'm 
like kind of sold on their chops because prior to that yeah. I'd only seen them kind of do, you know, uh, like Bernthal was in like Walking Dead and The Punisher and stuff like that. That yeah, again, not for everyone, but I and obviously the top scare for this one is uh, Best Picture. I think this movie had a serious case, not just to be nominated, but to be like really seriously in the conversation. I think that. And it's not like this movie didn't have, you know, like a lot of a lot of Oscar Best Picture nominees have like a very um, uh, poignant kind of social message or something that's outside of film. Um, and this movie had that. It certainly did. And it comes out and tells you specifically. It's got some really harsh and really terrible statistics about crime. Um, crimes committed against Native American women. Like, really horrible stuff, and the movie brought a lot of that to light and started a conversation. So, yeah, it definitely checked a lot of the Academy's boxes. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked. I wonder what happened behind the scenes there. Um, Probably a little bit with timing. Came out a little too early, and I also think there was probably a little bit of uh, genre. You know, it it plays with a lot of genres, which which doesn't always play well with the Oscar people. So that's my list. Yeah. Let's, um, we're at, we're just over an hour. So let's, let's go through what you want to stump for and we'll, we'll knock this out and we'll have our time. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, I have got two. So Wind River, I was growing more and more concerned was not going to make your list. And I was, I was pretty shocked. Um, but no, I think, I think you hit some really good ones. There were some terrific non-Oscar movies this year. There were a couple that I wanted to see but didn't. So I want to see Professor Marston in The Wonder Women. Uh, that mm. one was about, I believe it's about a uh, psychologist who um, ends up, I don't know if they actually were the creator of uh, Wonder Woman, but it, it was about the creation of Wonder Woman and about the real life inspiration oh. for her. Yeah, I heard it was really good. So that was one that I wanted to see uh, but didn't. But as far as the ones that I did see that I think deserve consideration here, the two biggest are Victoria and Abdul, mm. and then Hostels. So, oh. Victor- yeah, that was, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So, Victoria and Abdul, you were doing a nice theme that I liked, which is the see it if. So, see this one if you like um, sort of lightly patronizing colonial films uh, starring the charm of Dame Judi Dench. She was terrific. Uh, the guy who plays Abdul. Uh, so the basic back backstory here is it's Queen Victoria, whose husband very famously died, uh, and she was in mourning for quite some time. And she's an old woman by the time this movie's being made, and she ends up befriending this guy named Abdul, who has come over uh, from the Middle East, uh, and he's come over to um, to England. And they become friends. He becomes a trusted advisor. And then the movie kind of implies maybe a little bit more happens. It's a really cute movie. She is outstanding. She's so good. She does a great job in this movie playing all of the different roles that she does so well. She's really likable at times. She's really gruff and difficult at other times. She has this really long opening scene that could only have been done with an actress of her caliber where they don't show her face for the first like 15 minutes because they know everybody in the audience is just waiting for it to be Dame Judi Dench. And uh, it's really good. Movie was terrific. Caroline and I went to see this at like a little indie theater in our, in our area. Um, big fan. Really, really good movie. And if I had to go with a, an Oscar for this one, I think it would probably be 
best actress would be kind of the category that Dame Judy would be competing in. I'm still going to give it obviously to Gal Gadot, but um, that would be that would be a good category for this one. She was she was excellent. Okay, cool. I did, um, I'd never even heard of this movie. I'm really surprised. I sounds like something that I would really enjoy. Yeah, it was really good. It's one of those ones. It's good if you want to kill you know an hour and forty five minutes with a with a fun old fashioned kind of movie. It's a good one. All right. Um, but yeah, Hostels. So Hostels, I have a very definite, uh, award in mind here. This one would be best actor to Christian Bale. I am utterly convinced of Christian Bale's talent. And I know that's not really a hot take because a lot of people are, but every role he does seems to expand upon his talent in some way. He's not a guy who's willing to be put in a box. He does something different every movie he is really really funny in american hustle he is really interesting and tortured in the prestige he is really freaking scary in this movie hostels and really interesting and the the long backstory to this movie is that he plays this high-ranking uh army officer in I, I assume it's sometime in the early 1900s might be the late 1800s probably more like the late 1800s um who's assigned to take this native american chief back to his homeland the native american chief has been in prison for a long time he's dying and he wants to die on his land and christian bale's character gets assigned to bring him back he's not super happy because he knows this guy this guy killed some of his men and he just generally does not like Native Americans. And it's really interesting for our moment in society where people are talking a lot about race and they're talking a lot about people feeling disenfranchised and a lot about anger. And Christian Bale does a really, really good job of kind of making a pretty good argument for people being upset about change in the world and being upset about people who aren't like them. And he doesn't feel one-dimensional. He feels really interesting. You see him having these really hateful feelings about Native Americans, but emoting them in such a way that you're like, you find yourself understanding his feelings and hating yourself for it because he's that freaking good. Um, And he takes a really good journey through the movie. He's just such a good actor. This movie is probably like a a B minus, you know, maybe a C plus sans christian bale but with him it's it's a strong b plus to it to a soft a minus he's so good i can't this is one that just slipped through the cracks with me i saw a lot of movies last year and um we had talked about this because well we kind of joked because the premise sounded an awful lot like (laughs) one of our favorite movies uh 310 to yuma yeah just sort of switching the prep the setup where he's the bad guy instead of the good guy uh, I will definitely be going back in time to to add this one to my to my collection. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe, and I feel like it wasn't in theaters for very long either. No, it didn't get much of a run. Um, I think, like I said, I think in this year, in what people were looking for at the movies, a movie that dives into uh, the hatred of a crabby old military guy was was not what people were looking for. Um. If you gave it a chance, it it was it was very interesting though. Also, some fun some fun cam not cameos exactly, but fun supporting roles from a couple friends, including Jesse Plemons. Mm. Some of you know him as Ox from Like Mike. Others will know him as the psychotic 
white supremacist's nephew, uh, Todd, in Breaking Bad. Others will know him for his excellent turn in the recent movie Game Night. Um, also, truly terrific turn from old friend Charlie Princess, uh, a.k.a. Ben Foster. Oh, yeah. In this movie. That yeah. was the other 310 to Yuma crossover. Mm-hmm. I love Ben Foster. Yeah, he's terrific. You made a face like you just saw Game Night. Did you just see Game Night? I just saw Game Night. Um, yeah, so good. So he good. He steals... The, he's easily the best part of that. That's a, That movie is like so at least in my opinion like so average except for when he's on screen he's he's so funny oh and rachel mcadams preview of next year this will be this movie i have a feeling game night's not gonna be nominated for any oscars and so will likely appear on the 2019 topskers oh definitely is in strong contention for a 2018 topsker um yeah assuming they get their campaign together and everything Oh, can I actually add one movie that I didn't see that I yeah. that I heard was really good? I read the book, uh, Lost City of Z. Ooh, was that 2017? I yeah, I'm almost certain. Wow. Um, so I don't believe that was nominated for any Oscars, Mm-mm. but that book was really, really, really good. Uh, it's about Percy Fawcett, um, who is a British explorer. Who? Oh, wait a second. A little Google searching gives me twenty sixteen. No, no. Oh, no. But that's uh, it. Had a twenty seventeen wide release. Twenty sixteen ah. was like a film festival. I think this would be considered a twenty seventeen movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What the hell? So I didn't see it, so I can't totally vouch for it. But if we're trying to be representative, uh, my peoples tell me that that was a really good movie. I know Jameson loves it. Um, yeah that's basically my people's he still has jameson if you're listening to this pod you still have my copy of the book bastard give it actually, back i have your copy of the book because bastard you have it well because no i might not i thought that jameson lent that to me to read and i actually i think with a with a, a quick search of my room it will be the case in fact that i have your copy of the book via jameson <laughs> so uh wow. apologies for that let's quickly do this ranking and knock this out. Yeah, let's do this thing. So uh, I'll just tell you, I want, I want Hostels and Victoria and Abdul on the list. Okay, that's fine. There are like the number of movies I saw last year that did not get yeah. nominated for Oscars ended up being perfect. I saw, t- I saw thirteen movies. Yeah, ten which I thought were good for our top ten, and three which sucked ass. So, <laughs> so I, I'm like very willing to bump some of the lower ones on my list. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stump hard for one through six. I feel really strongly about that they belong on here. Yeah. In some, somewhere, not necessarily in that order. Yeah. After that, I could be convinced of any of those that they don't necessarily belong. I've got my two vulnerable ones, uh, and they're both going to hurt me because I really like both of them. Uh, I think Murder on the Orient Express and I think Kingsman are the, are the two that are vulnerable. Much as I love both of them, and shouts to, uh, if we were going to do, if there was such a category as, like, best unoriginal uh, score, the inclusion of uh, Country Roads that as, was like, a really, as a really heartfelt storyline in Kingsman was so good. But, yeah, I think Kingsman and Murder on the Orient Express can go. I think so, too. Okay. Um, okay, so you tell me. Where do Victoria and Abdul and Hostels fit in here? Yeah, Victoria and Abdul should be ten. I think that that's a that's a good number ten. Okay. Um, and I think that Hostels probably slots in. Um, 
I would maybe do, there's a little bit of rearranging I'm feeling between four and seven, um, but I think that hostels should be four or five. I am I'm so willing to just accept your take on this because you saw every movie in that stretch. So I'll just I'll trust trust you on this one. Yeah, so I think we go. So let's let's start at one. I think that's easiest. Let's go Wind River at one. I feel great about Logan Lucky. Your passion uh, tells me that you're right, as do the reviews. Um, And Wonder Woman is definitely number three. Uh, I think from there, I want to say I want to say lego batman and then hostels five and you tell me if you want to correct me here but i'm going with what i'm feeling lego batman hostels thor and then spider-man honestly if you asked me which of those two movies i was gonna wanted to watch right now yeah it's batman that movie is awesome and i love that so good and i love thor i was giving thor a lot of weight on uh just you know like the 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 trend it was bucking within its own series. Um, but I'm like very comfortable sliding that below Lego Batman. Okay. So we want to go Batman, Hostels, Ragnarok. How do you feel about Spider-Man, Alien, Foreigner? That was what I had, but now I kind of, uh, I sort of want to put Alien up one more spot. I really liked Alien. Yeah, let's just do it for us. Do the, t- Screw you listeners, this one's for us. But I really like Spider-Man. I know. Do you want to do you want to go uh, Alien Spider Man Thor? Yeah, that feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Put Alien up just so that we're like as firm as we can be in planting our flag in it. I like Spider Man better than Thor. Yep, and uh, I feel really comfortable with this list. How about you? I feel great about this list. Okay, coming to you live from the 2017 Topskers, <laughs> it's Kyle and Mike from bottom to top, number ten, Victoria and Abdul. Number nine, The Foreigner, starring Pierce Brosnan and no one else. Number eight, Thor Ragnarok. Number seven, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number six, Alien Covenant. Number five, Hostels. Number four, The Lego Batman Movie. Number three, Wonder Woman. Number two, Logan Lucky. And number one, Wind River. Damn, Kyle. We got a list. Yeah. Sorry, that was a little indulgent, but I just, I really had fun with that one. And I like talking about movies and i thought that these all deserved uh a moment in the spotlight even if that spotlight is a amateur podcast so hopefully it it just leads to some people seeing wind river and some of these other gems that's kind of the that's a win for us yeah cool all right thanks buddy Alrighty, friends that was our top 10 for this week but now we'd love to hear your top 10 so please check us out on all of our available social media outlets traditional outlets whatever outlets we have check us out on twitter at top 10 km that's all spelled out top 10 km our email top 10 km spelled the same way at gmail.com or our site top 10 km.podbean.com all forms of communication accepted except for serial killer notes please don't send us any of those If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of Top 10 ever again. If you didn't like it, please tell us why. We'll try to make the show better. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork was created by Erin Sant. You can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons. We'll see you next week.